We are uh, continuing on in the miracles of Christ, and uh, the one that we're at this morning, I've got to tell you, is probably the toughest of the miracles we've ever talked about. Uh, it's one of the most unique, it's one of the most, uh, to study, it's one of the most frustrating. It uh, has, it offers more questions than it has answers, so this will be a fun exercise to try to figure some of it out this morning. Uh, the, the miracle that we're looking at is the healing of the blind man at Bethsaida. And what you should know about this miracle before we read it is that uh, there are two miracles that are unique to the Gospel of Mark, and this is one of them. The other miracle is the healing of the, the, mute, uh, the deaf mute man. And uh, both of those are unique to Mark. Both of those are unique also in the idea that in both of those miracles, people bring these people to Jesus. Uh, these people who do not seek out Jesus, they are brought to Jesus by somebody else. What's also unique about them is that when Jesus heals these people, he does not do it within the city in which they are. Jesus purposely, before he heals them, takes them outside of the city to heal them. And that's very, very unique. And uh, so th those are just some unique things about this particular miracle. There's going to be some other unique things that stand out as we get going, and uh, I'll try to point them out as we go, and, and, and we'll discuss them a little bit, and then we'll try to learn some things for us for the week. So uh, it's, it's found in Mark, Mark chapter 8, and uh, here is the passage. It says, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand, and he led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus said, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Now, that gives us a little bit of insight. That means that at some point this man probably could have seen before because he apparently knew, looked, knew what a tree looked like and he kind of knew what people looked like. So we kind of make a good guess here that... that he was not born blind, but he, through some instance, became blind. And then notice what it says. It said, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then the eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. So we also assume that he did not live in Bethsaida, that he lived somewhere else that he was supposed to go home. And that's the story right there. Now, the problem with this story is it raises all kinds of questions. Why did Jesus have to do a miracle twice? And why was it that the first time didn't work? Some people say, well, it's because Jesus was tired. I don't know, that, that gives me some serious theological implications that I have a problem with. Um, some people say, well, Jesus got it partially right the first time and he had to do it a second time to get it right well that creates a whole bunch of theological problems for me as well because if Jesus is God then it's like okay you know he needs two shots to do something right you see what I'm saying it creates a lot of questions that we don't have answers for and so I'm going to try to give you what I think is the best answer that we come up with and then I'm going to try to tell you how it applies I think to us as well so um, let's kind of wrestle through it just for a second. Um, the miracle itself is very straightforward. They bring a blind man to Jesus. They ask him to touch him. 
Jesus takes the man by the hand and he leads him outside of the city. Now, I think there's a reason for that, but we're not going to go into it. We talked about it a little bit in Sunday school, but there's a reason. But Jesus takes him outside of the city. And uh, it says, and when he had spit on the man's eyes. So Jesus spits on his eyes. And then he, it says, he puts his hands on him. Now, whether he actually put his hands on top of him or his eyes or whatever else, whatever, Jesus does that. He touches him. And it says, Jesus asked him, do you see anything? Now, this is unique because Jesus didn't normally do this. And if he's God, which I believe he is, he knows the answer to the question he's asking. So why is he asking it? And I would assume that the reason he's asking it is because he wants the disciples to hear the answer. And the answer is, what? I see people that look like trees walking around. Other what he's saying is, he asked him, what do you see? Do you see anything? And, and the guy's going, yeah, it's all real fuzzy right now. And that's what the disciples hear. And then what does Jesus do? It says, um, once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, he saw everything clearly. Then he sees everything clear now, and then Jesus says, now go away. Okay? The reason he asked the question, though, is not because Jesus doesn't know the answer, but because the disciples needed to hear the answer. Right? Now, uh, now let me tell you why I think this miracle is so crucial, because I think it's a pivotal point in the Gospel of Mark. And I think it's a pivotal point in the life of the disciples, and I think that's why it's included here. All right? Let me back up before this chapter and tell you the story. Because what has happened is, before this story, what happens is Jesus feeds the 4,000. We've talked about that miracle. So Jesus feeds the 4,000, and then you have this discussion on a boat between Jesus and the disciples. And then you have this miracle, and then you're going to have another deal with the disciples. So this miracle sits in the middle of what I think are two bookends for what Jesus wants us to know. And here's the thing. Listen to the passage right before this story. So we're after the feeding of the 4,000. The 4,000 have been fed. Jesus now gets on a boat. <clears throat> He's going to have this little discussion we're going to read with the disciples. And then they're going to get off at Bethsaida. So here's the passage. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another, and they said, <coughs> the reason Jesus is saying this is because we got no bread. I mean, we picked up seven hampers full, and we didn't think to put it in the boat with us. And they said it's because we have no bed. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets you, did you pick up? Twelve. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets did you pick up? Seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? Now that's the story. So on this little boat trip, Jesus rebukes the disciples. And he's looking at them going, guys, you don't get it. Don't you get it? Can't you see don't you understand? Can't you put it together? And then, here's what's going to happen. 
Then the passage we just read. They came to Bethsaida. They get off. They bring a blind man. Jesus takes him outside the hippie. Jesus spits on his eyes. He goes, hey, what do you see? And he goes, hey, everything's fuzzy. He goes, okay, does it again. Boom, the guy sees clearly, and he says, now go back to your village, but don't go to that village. Don't go through that village, but go back home. The next story is the story of Jesus looking at the disciples and saying, who do men say that I am? And that is when Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I think the reason this miracle is in the middle of this is it sits as a visible thing to the disciples of exactly what Jesus was trying to teach. That in the boat, they're like that guy the first time. Everything's fuzzy. But in a moment, Peter is going to have this incredible clarity where God's going to be able to look at him and go, you normally wouldn't have gotten that. God has revealed that to you, that I am Christ, the Son of the living God. I think this miracle sits in the middle of these two great events as a bookend, if you will. These two great events as bookends to say, look, Jesus is trying to illustrate to the disciples physically what's happening spiritually in their understanding of who God is. Okay? Um, there are all kinds of other interpretations. If you want to believe that Jesus did it half heart, halfway the first time, you can. But to me, that's what makes sense. Context is everything to me. In, in this passage. And so I think that helps us wrestle with it a little bit to go, okay. Um, so that's why I think the miracle's here. I think it's here to show us, to show the disciples that, look, this is what you guys are doing. You know, you guys are like this blind guy. You, you, it's still fuzzy for you. It's got to be clear because I'm about ready to go to the cross, guys. It's got to be clear. And Peter gets it. And then Peter gets it and, and sees clearly. So um, let's talk about a couple of things. Um, for us. Um, so what do we learn? I mean, what, what kind of application do we find in a, in a deal like this? Um, here's the first thing. I think some of you, when it comes to Christianity, are kind of like the disciples in the boat. There's a lot of stuff that's still fuzzy. I mean, you enjoy coming, and you enjoy being here, but it's not quite all fitting together for you yet. And what I want to say to you is, that's okay. Just keep coming. Just keep hanging in there. Just keep learning, and it will start to come together. Uh, it, it was illustrated to me probably very, very clearly. Uh, I, I, Laura does my hair. I have Laura do my hair. How does that sound? My, Laura's my barber. That sounds much better. Uh, I have Laura. Laura does my, so if you have a complaint with the way my hair looks, there. Uh, and we have so many beauticians in this church. I told her, I said, you know, you were one of the most critiqued people in the church when it comes to hair. Because we have so many beauticians here uh, that uh, it's like, you know, wow. Anyway, so we, my, and my wife was off for school, so uh, she sets up appointments. She set appointments so we could drive over together. So we drove over to, to, um, to, get, my, to get my hair done, to get her hair done and me get a haircut. And... Uh, Anyway, so, just get my hair done. How do we ever get to that point? But anyway, you know what I mean. I get over there, and Laura has tackled this project, okay? And, and this is what it is. She has on a table over there, when I walked in, she was working on it, okay? This is a 1,000-piece, three-foot fish, 
And notice, most puzzles have nice squares. It don't. And it has how many? 20. It has 20 identical fish. So some of these pieces look like fish. Oh, don't put it up yet. I'm not there yet. Huh? I know, it's too late. You'll see it in a minute. And, and some other things have little fish pieces. There are 20 pieces that look like fish. And this, it's, it's a bizarre puzzle. It really is. It, it's really hard. And I walked in, and she had started it, and she'd gotten, like, this part of it done, and she was kind of working on this part of it. And jokingly, I, I couldn't remember the last time I ever did a puzzle. And, and Lori said, I'm making everybody who comes in to get their hair done, I'm making them put in five pieces. <laughs> and that was the kind of thing. So <clears throat> I was bored, and I thought, you know, why not? So while Jean was getting her hair done, I sat down and I started working on this little puzzle thing. I'm now put it back up. Okay, now, that black section right there, that was mine. <laughs> and I worked on the black section of it, okay? And I got that whole black section was mine. But you need to understand, when I was working on this thing, all of that was not done. It was, it was so, there were just little sections that were done. And then while I was getting my, my hair cut, Jean sat down, and Jean's like a, she's like a puzzle wizard. And, and she just, she sees it and goes, boop, 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 boop. And Bob came in, and Bob's like, holy cow, I can't believe how fast she's doing it. And so she did, I don't know, you did what, that next section or yellow section? or you did, She did something in there. Uh, and she was just whipping right through it and that kind of thing. And Laura posted this this week because she finally got it finished uh, with, with all the things. So... But I thought, you know what? <clears throat> that is such an illustration, though, of how Christianity works for a lot of us. Is that our lives are like this great big puzzle where God knows what it's going to look like. And God knows where all the pieces go. And God knows how all the pieces interact with one another. But we kind of are like, me, when I sat down and looked at that puzzle for the first time, and I'm like, this is insane. This is crazy. How in the world are you going to get this done? But by plugging away at it a little bit at a time, by other people pitching in a little bit at a time, by other people working on sections that clicked for them, like the black. I had no problem with the black. It was amazing when the black spoke to me. Uh, it, it was one of those kinds of things, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but it was like, okay, I, you know, I get all and 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 anyway, that I, that worked. I could work on that section of it, and that's where some of you are. You're overwhelmed because you're trying to figure out where all of the pieces fit. And it's overwhelming to you right now what you're going through. And, and, and what I want to remind you is that I understand for you it's not clear yet. But understand this, God's got a plan. And he knows what it's going to look like in the end. And he knows how it all interconnects with all of the other things around you. He gets that. And part of the Christian life is a life of faith and a life of trust. And what that means is when you come up against those things where you don't see how it's going to fit, you simply trust God that he knows what it's going to look like in the end. 
And so for some of you, I want to encourage you because you're like the disciples and, and it's just all fuzzy right now and people look like trees and, and, and it looks like the trees are walking and, and you don't understand. And I may, illust- I may refer to some story in the Bible and you're like, what in the world is that all about? And I get that. Just hang in there. Okay? Just don't, don't quit. Hang in there. Because the Bible talks about the idea of line upon line, precept upon precept. And over time, stuff like that becomes clear. And as you start to grow in your Christian walk, stuff will become clearer and clearer and clearer over time. It's all about your heart response to it. So don't quit, okay? Um, And I think that's one of the things that you see in this thing is that, you know what? Um, I understand it's fuzzy for some of you. Um, Because like I say, in this story, when Jesus confronts them, they don't get it. But in the next story, Peter gets it. And he goes, you're Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus goes, wow, you got it. You got it. It's only taken you three years of following me to get it, but you finally got it. And then Peter is the one, as you know, who's now going to turn around and deny Christ. And then 40-some-odd days later, he's going to preach the greatest New Testament sermon in all the Bible. Because Peter realizes it's not about his failure, it's about his heart in responding to God and saying, God, use me. And we talked about that in Sunday school this morning. I think another lesson for, for this story, and this, is, this to me is the hardest lesson, um, but I think it's, for me, here's the, here's the real lesson in the story. Sometimes your questions don't get answered. You see, I've read commentaries all week long on what people why people think Jesus did this twice and you got to know it is all over the spectrum on what people believe what people think and a lot of times I'll do enough reading and commentaries and things like that that there'll be a consensus there's no consensus here there's no there's no there's honestly we could take a dartboard and we could say it means this 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 and this Throw a dart at it, and whatever it hits, there's probably somebody who believed that. Because it's all over the spectrum in this. And when you really study it out, it's not super, super clear. I think it makes sense that it's the bookends of, 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 of these two great events. But that still begs a lot of questions. So why didn't he just say that? Why do you have to do a miracle twice? I don't know. And see, we live in a world where we want to know. And I think one of the great lessons here is sometimes you don't know on this side of heaven. I don't have any question that when I die and I step into eternity, I'll see the completed puzzle. I don't have any question about then. But really, personally, I want to know what the puzzle is going to look like now. I can't imagine going into Laura's and looking at that puzzle on the table and I didn't have this to look at. Can you imagine if she would have laid that puzzle out and gone, here's what it looks like. And you go, the whole time you're building it, you're going, what in the world is this? I, I don't, where's the, where's the, where's the box? 
A puzzle's supposed to be a rectangle. Can you imagine how frustrating it would be? And it was so much easier. I mean, it wasn't easier. It was a nightmare of a puzzle. But it was so much easier when you had this, because you know what? I knew all the black pieces went over here. Otherwise, I'd be putting the black pieces over here or up here. And I think sometimes with life, we, this is what we, we want God to come to us and go, okay, here's what, here's what it's all going to look like when it's done. Just trust me. God goes, just trust me. Just trust me. And then I don't have any question when I get to heaven, God's going to go, hey, let me show you something. This is how it all fit together. But on this side, A lot of times there's just unanswered questions. And believe me, believe me, I'm not talking theory here. I'm talking about three weeks of me personally struggling, going, God, I don't get it. I mean, why now? Why this time? Um, why are we going through all of this again? I mean, this is the fifth time. A lot of unanswered questions. And I have to step back and remind myself that God knows why, and God knows what He's doing, and it's in His hands, and that he will have his plan and purposes accomplished because he knows what the finished piece is going to look like. And I would love to stand up here and tell you that is so comforting, but it is not. Because I still struggle going, just show me what it's supposed to look like in the end. Because it'll be so much easier to know what we're working towards. Don't know why. I'll know why one day, but not necessarily now. And I, I want to challenge you because some of you, that's, you're, you're in that world. You're trying, to, you're trying to put a puzzle together of what God's doing in your life and how it all interacts and how it all interconnects. And you don't even have a, you don't even have a fish, uh, picture of what the fish looks like at the end. And I understand your frustration. And I understand the, the, the turmoil and the struggle and, and, and all of that. But during those times, we've got to step back and go, okay, God, okay. I'm trusting you for my salvation. I'm trusting you that you know what you're doing with my life and the life of my friend. I trust that you are in control here. And you're going to have to help me, and believe me, this is my prayer. You're going to have to help me do that every day. Because there's nothing within inside of me that can generate that every day and i i challenge you because that's why this story to me is 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 perplexing and yet it's comforting and challenging and all of that because i walk away from this miracle every other miracle i've studied i've been able to go this is what you can learn from it this is these are the answers this is how it all fits i come to this one and it's like i don't know i got no clue here's my best guess and i realize how typical is that of real, genuine life. And the last principle that I learned from this passage is this. Be careful about putting God in a box. 
You know that in the Bible, in the miracles of Christ, Jesus heals seven blind men. There are seven stories of blind people that are healed by Jesus in the miracles. Do you know how many of those seven Jesus does the same way? Zero. Every single one of them is done differently. Because you see, often I think sometimes when we're praying, we tend to want God to do it a certain way. And we tend to think, this is the way that I'll know that God worked. God, here's what I need you to do. You know, we're struggling financially right now, God, and so what I really need is I want you to just like take it all away and drop some money in my lap and we'll be good and I'll know that it's you. And, you, and we, we got this nice little thing, path, that we want God to work it out in. God doesn't work like that. Um, seven different blind people come to Jesus and he heals them all seven different ways. Why? Because I think one of the lessons from God is the idea of, listen, don't box me in. I'm God, and that means I'm going to do things my way, not your way, because my thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't, I don't see things the way you see things. I'm God. And I will do it the way I want it done. Because I know what the finished picture is supposed to look like. I know what I'm trying to, I know what piece needs to go where. And you're going to have to trust me that if you put me in that little box, then the pieces don't fit. And I need the freedom to be able to work without you feeling like i got to do it a certain way. And I think that's one of the great lessons in this story is he does it differently than he does the other guys that he heals. And so, you know, I, I just challenge you. I think there's a lot of great little lessons in this story. For me this week, where I am in my walk, in my life, and that kind of thing, the thing I walk away with is a lot of times there's just unanswered questions. And i got to learn to be okay with that. Because God's God and I'm not. And I have to bank on the fact that when I step from this world into the next, that then the pieces will all fit and I will understand it all and I will see the big picture. But until then, I'm looking at the back of a blank box trying to figure out how the pieces interconnect and knowing that God has a plan for every one of those pieces. I asked Laura point blank. I said, hey, do you even know if all the pieces are here? Because I said, you know, if I'm going to like spend a little time putting this thing together and then I come back and you're like, oh, no, we lost one piece. It's like, you know, I'm going to be frustrated because I, I invested like 20 pieces in this thing. Uh, you know, and, and, but yet, God's not losing the pieces. God knows how they all interconnect. God's working at it. And, 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 and a side little path road trip thing. You know how that puzzle got done, by the way? It wasn't one person. It was lots of people working together. You want to know how you're going to figure out how some of the pieces in your life connect or what God might be doing? Is with the impact of other people. You know, um, and, and we've been able to, you know, this past week, you know, Doug and I have been able to talk a little bit about, you know, what does he see God doing in it? What do I see God doing in it? Why, what, how can God use it and what God doing and, 
And, and, and, you know, and we've had those kinds of discussions to bounce off and feed off of each other to figure out how God's at work here. And it's taken both of us to do that. Um, and the crazy thing is you're sitting there trying to encourage your friend and it ends up being your friend who has cancer is the one who encourages you, you know. And, you know, and we were, I mean, we were, we were talking, Doug and I were talking this week, you know, and he goes, you know who my, bi- my favorite Bible character is? And I never asked Doug that question in all these years. We never had that, that, that question. And he goes, Job. And I thought, you know what? If you were going to pick a character, buddy, that's the one you ought to pick. Uh, and he said, you know why? He said, because Job realized that no matter what came, good or bad, God was God. And he wasn't. And it's like, whoa. You want to preach this Sunday? Uh, you know, I mean, it's one of those kinds of things, but it, it, there's so much truth to that. God's God. And he knows how they all fit. And we've we got to trust him. And we've got to realize that he's got a plan. What comes into your life this week has not taken him by surprise. And if you have your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you step from this world into the next, it will all make sense and all the pieces will fit. But between now and then, there's probably going to be more unanswered questions than answered questions. And that's okay. Because he's God. So I close with this. Jesus challenges us to see clearly who he is and what he's about. We've got to be very careful about limiting how he works or demanding that he must work in a certain way. His ways are not ours, and our thoughts aren't, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. He is God. And he is the one in charge, not us. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, often we come up against stuff and we don't understand why, and Lord, we want to know why. Lord, help us to learn to trust. It's easy to talk about it. It's hard to do. Lord, there are people in here who are carrying incredible burdens. Some have carried them for weeks and months, and many have carried them for years. Lord, it's a piece of their life that they don't understand how it interacts and fits with everything else, and it's frustrating. Lord, would you give them the strength and the grace to learn to turn it over to you and, and to help them to be able to just trust you that, Lord, you know what you're doing. And Lord, for this story where we walk away with more questions than answers and, Lord, we, we just really don't understand why, May it be a reminder to us that, Lord, uh, you do know what you're doing, and you do have a plan. So help us, Lord, to, to trust you. And when it is all said and done, and, Lord, we step from this world into the next, and we're gathered around your throne that we're able to look back on our lives and see, Lord, that you knew exactly what you were doing. And every piece, every situation, every hurt, every heartache fit absolutely perfectly into your plan and use it in our lives these things we ask in your name amen um let's stand together